American Idol aired a popular Christian praise song as the finale to its special last night. We'll get your reaction. And there have always been skeptics who insist the gospel is a conspiracy. How should we counter these theories? Plus, we'll talk with a professor who's in the upcoming movie, Expelled. He says science cannot disprove the existence of God. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Darlene Check's praise song, Shout to the Lord. I really do. What if the most popular television show ever aired it as the finale for their special? Did you see American Idol gives back last night? The final eight idols and others so talented sang this song, Shout to the Lord, as the finale for the program. I missed it last night. I saw it today. It was absolutely beautiful. If you saw this, Though you notice that the words, my Jesus, were replaced with my shepherd. Is that a big deal? Not a big deal to you? What did you think of the idea that they featured this beautiful praise song to this gigantic audience last night? Give us a call with your impressions. 800-881-9270. We'd love to hear from you about this. Also, is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ a conspiracy theory? Dr. Timothy Paul Jones is going to join us later in the program to discuss his book, Conspiracies and the Cross, and also Ben Stein's movie, Expelled, opens in theaters a week from tomorrow, April 18th. We're going to interview a professor who appears in the movie. We're going to ask him, can science trump God? But first, give us a call at 800-881-9270. What did you think of what happened on Idol Gives Back? Now, singing Shout to the Lord once again, your American Idols. Good night, everybody.
power and majesty. Praise to the king. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. There's really no question who the idols are singing about. We'd love to hear your impressions on what happened on American Idol last night. Let's go right now to Kaufman and speak with Carolyn. Carolyn, thanks for calling. Thank you, Panna. It's good to talk to you again. Um, when they first announced, I just, it almost brought tears. And then when I heard them replace the name Jesus with Shepherd, it just, I felt like the <laughs> air had been let out. Um, I was really disappointed. It was though the the name of Jesus is, has become really offensive, and that hurts. I was very disappointed. So did that ruin it for you? I mean, it was still very beautiful. No, no it's very beautiful. It's very moving, and at least they got that much out. He is our shepherd. But it was just the fact that they felt the need to replace the name of Jesus um, with that, you know, as though it was offensive. I imagine uh, I imagine many Christians felt the way you did. Uh, I think it would have been very different if this were a church and not a television show. Then it would have been extremely uh, offensive. Uh, but Carolyn, thank you so much for weighing in on this. We do need to remember that Shepherd, Savior, Lord are all names for Jesus. Uh, the name of Jesus, though, there's you know it's clear. Uh, and uh, naming our Savior, naming the Son of God is very important. Uh, but I don't think it changes the meaning of this song. Uh, do you think so? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. The only word that was changed last night on Idol Gives Back on the finale was that the word Jesus. The rest of it was just like the original song, Shout to the Earth, Shout to the Lord. Let's go now to Arlington and speak with Bethany. Hi, Bethany. What were your impressions? Hi, Penna. Um, thank you for taking my call. We love American Idol, and uh, my husband and son and I were watching last night, and I was in the kitchen, didn't have it on yet, and my uh, son said, hurry, hurry, come look, come look, they're singing, you know, they're singing, shout to the Lord, and we sat there in absolute amazement and thankfulness that they did uh, broadcast, you know, broadcast that song. We were we felt like it was a God thing that you know God was just trying to get his his son's name to millions and millions of people. You know that's a very good point because uh, people who don't know the Lord, uh, nominal Christians, really probably didn't even notice that the word had been changed, that the name of Jesus right. had been changed. But uh-huh. the overall impression is praise to the Lord, praise to the King, and yes. praise to our God. And, and so Jesus, the finale was so awesome to us. It was like it was the crowning, it was the clown, crowning glory of the whole show. Yeah, it and, really was. It was beautifully done. I, I'm sorry I missed it last night. I did see it uh, later. Uh, I saw it today. Uh, but I'm just impressed that this happened and that they would, you know, and I think what this says is, that uh, the producers of Idol know <laughs> that this resonates with people across America. Why else would they do this? And yeah. maybe there's some Christians even in the decision-making uh, group there. Well, thank you so much for your call. Let's go to Sarah in North Richland Hills. Sarah, go ahead. Hello, good evening. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, t- I share the sentiments of the lady who just uh, called because to me it's an answer to prayer. I mean, so much of prayers have been going on for Hollywood and Last night was an answer to prayer because God was acknowledged as Lord. And yes, we substitute, they substitute the name Jesus or shepherd for Jesus, but hey, he is our shepherd. And 
to me, the fact that he was glorified was worth it. God is answering prayer, and there are He's raising up people in those places, and um, if that it passed, you know, it passed the board or whatever the decision-making body to have this His name proclaimed. To me, it's just a, a hallelujah moment. It's a hallelujah moment. Well, hallelujah! Let's shout hallelujah! Let's shout to the Lord. Uh, you can find this on um, YouTube, www.youtube.com, for folks who have never gone to YouTube. And the title, well, you can put in the search "American Idol Shout Loud, Shout Lord." American Idol, Shout Lord, and you can find this. And I think it'd be worth watching. Uh, we are getting the impressions of the Idol Gives Back finale last night. Uh, the Idols, the final eight and others, ended the show singing Shout to the Lord. Let's go now to Patsy in Roanoke. Patsy, thank you for calling in. Oh, I just thought that was just so awesome. I called my husband from the other room, and I said, you're not going to believe what they're singing on Idol tonight. I said, come listen. And he came in, and, he, and we listened together, and it was, it was just so wonderful. I just praise the Lord for that. And I have really noticed um, on a, quite a few TV shows, they bring the Lord's name, you know, and they sing um, uh, Christian songs, you know, and, and verses. And I just think that's so wonderful. Well, last week, I think it was last week on American Idol, it was all Dolly Parton music. And uh, so, of course, some of that has Christian themes, a lot of it. And then Dolly Parton sang herself, and the song that she sang is called Jesus and Gravity. And I was pretty excited about that. I thought uh, that had a good just kind of atmosphere to it. Uh, But this was just amazing. Let's go now to Jessica in Denton. Jessica, thanks for calling. Hi, Tana. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just going to say that um, I, while I was a little disappointed that they changed the name, um, that they didn't use Jesus' name, I was just so shocked that they sang that at all. I was just really excited, and just the theme of the show, the I'll give back, um, just giving back to people in need, that's what Christians around the world were trying to do, and it really just resonated with that theme, that God is there and He's taking care of them, mm-hmm. and um, that's what He's there for. And it was just a really awesome ending to a great theme show. You know, uh, that's really true. And, of course, when I saw the um, the promos for Idol Gives Back and all the stars that were going to be part of this last night, and I thought, oh, this is just another one of those, you know, sort of world, one-world-themed charity-type extravaganzas. So, so to have it end and be wrapped up with praise to the Lord, I, I mean, it's a shock to me. It's really a shock to my system in a sense, uh, but a wonderful shock. And uh, so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got any thoughts on why they would replace the word Jesus, I mean, why is that just not acceptable even for this? I'd love to hear that, even though I'm really enjoying hearing your positive comments on that. Frank is in Little Elm. Frank, thanks for calling. Um, hi, Penna. You make a good point. I mean, I've watched this this year only because I've been fascinated with the incredible talent of one young 17-year-old boy yes. on that show. But you make a good point that I've seen slight little um, somewhat pro-Christian uh, slip into a lot of the songs. I mean, this particular fella uh, sang several songs over the past couple of weeks, that, including Dolly Parton songs. And, and this is very interesting because you make a good point. I don't know if this is something that they're doing, knowing that there's a lot of Christians, and they're trying to get a wider audience, because historically the show seems to have been very secular, and, and of course, you know, even though there's some Christian artists that have come out of that organization, there's just, you know, I, I think this is positive, but 
I imagine probably the main reason they didn't want to include the, you know, actually state the name is they may have found it offensive since it's such a wide audience that goes, you know, literally across, you know, like what they say, 32 million people voting. Um, so this is a huge audience, and I'm sure they didn't want to offend someone. Perhaps people should uh, contact American Idol. I don't have the um, the contact information to let them know what they think about this and, you know, the fact that the Christian praise music uh, actually wrapped up that uh, special show. But thank you so much, uh, Frank, for your comments on that. And, of course, you know, many of the songs we sing in church, I mean, we've, had, we've heard this critique before when we talk about Christian music, uh, when we just use the word you, and that could be replaced with, you know, a date, uh, um, a romantic interest. Uh, without using the word God or Jesus. So at least they used the word shepherd. And of course, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, I want to take another call, though, here before the end of the segment. We really appreciate uh, your weighing in on this. Let's go to David and Kaufman. David, thanks for calling in. Hey, I just want to say that I've never watched American Idol due to the fact of mostly being secular. But um, the reason they may have taken the name out is due to the fact that Jesus in the 2,000 years He's always been controversial. Amen to that. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. Uh, let's go very quickly to Preston in Dallas. Preston, you have a comment? Yes. Um, yeah, I was really excited to hear them sing Shout to the Lord last night, but it's almost a discouragement because they did change Jesus to Shepherd, and it, to me it almost was more of a relativism type thing where, you know, um, we can say shepherd rather than Jesus, and it could be whatever Lord or whatever king that you want to serve. Okay, and, Preston, um, thanks so much for your input. Let's listen. My Savior, Lord, there is not like you. Partnership have righteousness and lawlessness. No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event Friday night, April 18th. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. Friday night, April 18th. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. April 18th at 7.30, an evening with John MacArthur. A free gift from our family to yours on CRN. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Well, they may be praising our Savior on American Idol, but today there are all sorts of folks out there questioning the reliability of the gospel. 
So the question is, if the story of Christ is not true, then uh, should we just forget it, we Christians? I mean, there's really no foundation for the Christian faith if these folks are right. Uh, We really need to answer the skeptics, but we need a little bit of ammunition to do so. And uh, with us to give us some of that ammunition is Timothy Paul Jones. And uh, Timothy Paul Jones is a professor of leadership at Southern Baptist Southern Baptist Seminary, Theological Seminary, in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, he has been a best-selling and award-winning author for the Christian Booksellers Association group of uh, of uh, books. And we appreciate this book that he has actually just put out, Conspiracies and the Cross, How to Intelligently Counter the Ten Most Popular Theories that Attack the Gospel of Jesus. Dr. Jones, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we've just been talking about what happened on American Idol last night, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the idols, the eight finalists, actually sang the uh, praise song, Shout to the Lord, as a finale to a special that took place last night. They did replace the word Jesus with shepherd, uh, but the effect was wonderful. But it does uh, speak to the fact that the word Jesus is very controversial uh, these days, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, And when we think about the identity of Jesus, if Jesus was who his first followers claimed he was, um, it absolutely puts an absolute claim on our lives. So even when it comes to the name Jesus, it seems that there is in our culture an aversion to using that in any sort of worshipful way, simply because I think there's a tacit recognition within us that it does call for an allegiance that no other name calls for. Well, you say in your book, and it's uh, Conspiracies in the Cross, that the 21st century has been rough on Jesus, but really it hasn't just been the 21st century. There have always been skeptics, haven't there? That's true, and uh, what's happened in the 21st century is especially with the Da Vinci Code, and I think really the trend began in the uh, late 20th century with the Jesus Seminar, is that it has become very marketable and very popular uh, to try to bring up alternative theories about who Jesus was. And those theories have always been around ever since the beginning uh, when the apostles first started claiming, there have been claims of other alternative theories as to what happened in the life of Jesus. But these have become extremely popular and extremely marketable over the past few years. And so we've seen this vast proliferation of these supposed alternative reworkings of the identity of Jesus. Dr. Timothy Jones is with us, uh, professor at Southern Seminary and author of this new book, Conspiracies and the Cross. Uh, Dr. Jones, uh, you mentioned the Jesus Seminar. And, you know, I, I guess what I wonder about is why people do buy the arguments of these people. I mean, it seems that in times past, the Bible was more authoritative in uh, the culture than it is now. So I guess is that why some of these things are taking hold? I think it's part of it. Um, The Bible was at one time in our culture perceived to have a certain authority, uh, even among those who did not necessarily believe or accept everything that it says. And uh, today it does not have that. And uh, really, I think we need to view it as this vast opportunity um, from a Christian perspective to be able to educate people, because what's happening is these alternative theories about Jesus um, are gaining a lot of press, a lot of popularity, and, um, and there's a lot of interest in them. And I think what we as believers can do is to, um, to be able to respond to that in ways that are very intelligent, in ways that demonstrate the real truth about who Jesus is. All right. The book, uh, you just go chapter by chapter in this book, and you can see what uh, it covers. For instance, uh, conspiracy number one, no one knows who wrote the Gospels. Conspiracy two, how uh, the lost Gospels got lost. 
Um, but the one that really um, sparks my interest here, Dr. Jones, is number four, who misquoted Jesus? Because you've got uh, Bart Ehrman and others saying that Jesus has been mis- misquoted <laughs> and that some of these writings were, were copied so badly or they were edited so extensively that this is not what Jesus said. So can you speak to that and help us to counter that? Certainly. Um, what the claim is, is that um, the Gospels have been somehow edited over the years or poorly copied over the years, so much so that we can't even know what Jesus originally said. Uh, and the difficulty with that is uh, there are a lot of numbers thrown out that there are 200,000 variants between all these manuscripts. The difficulty is is that um, more than 99% of all these variants, you got to remember the Bible was copied by hand for more than a thousand years, and so there were times when there were, there were mistakes made in the copying. That's not to say there was a mistake in the original text, but rather that there have been mistakes made in the copying. Now, the difficulty is is that some of these persons claim those, those mistakes or those errors in copying are so extensive we can't know what the original said. But the fact is that more than 99% of all these different variances you find, you literally don't even see in your English translation, because they have to do with peculiarities in the Greek language. And that remaining less than 1%, and I mean far less than 1%, of those very that we actually notice that are noticeable in our translations, not one of them, not even one, affects anything that we actually believe about the character and identity of Jesus Christ. And so much is made over a few variants in which supposedly Jesus was misquoted, but what they miss is this vast mound of evidence uh, that, that demonstrates very clearly that if there are some cases in which there was a miscopying made uh, at some point in the, in the history of the biblical text, that still does not impact impinge upon and does not tear down in any way, shape, or form either the inerrancy of Scripture or the identity of Jesus Christ. Both of those are are completely independent of the claims that they're making about uh, these supposed miscopyings uh, in the Bible. Okay, Dr. Jones, what about uh, this whole idea that's uh, perpetrated out there that the gospel is just a story, it's a myth, it's fiction, uh, it's just basically just been made up, and this is not historical. I mean, the Jesus Seminar uh, has put this out there, and others. So how do you how do you counter that? I mean, I mean, we know lots of ways to do that, but how would you do it in a nutshell to someone who's not really familiar with the Bible? Well, the, the number one thing to remember is that the story of Jesus emerged so quickly after the time of Jesus, and it spread so quickly that there was simply not sufficient time to have fabricated it uh, in its totality, as is often claimed, especially with the story of the resurrection. We have within months of the time that Jesus died on the cross a very stable oral tradition that is spreading all over the Roman Empire. There is simply not enough time for it to have been fabricated. And uh, another aspect of that is the fact that persons who were eyewitnesses of these events died on behalf of, as they were stating, that these actually did occur. So you have eyewitnesses dying for a truth that uh, there's not enough time for it to be fabricated. And you have the earliest authors um, uh, writing about Jesus, the, uh, the gospel authors who are writing about 30 years after the time of Jesus, even though these oral traditions have been circulating for decades before that. And you have them, and you have 
for example, Luke, who actually consciously models uh, his writing uh, along the lines of the Roman historian Thucydides. And so he's clearly communicating, number one, that he intends this to be taken as historical truth. We have, number two, the fact that uh, this, this story it comes up so quickly and, and spreads so quickly that there's simply not time to fabricate it. And we have, thirdly, the confirmatory evidence of persons who are dying for the sake of this message. I don't think that's a message that we can simply discount as fiction uh, or as something that has been fabricated. All right, you've also written a book, uh, The Da Vinci Code, uh, The Da Vinci Codebreaker. Uh, so one of these uh, conspiracies has to do with the same thing that's uh, in there in the, in the Da Vinci Code, the fact that Jesus married Mary Magdalene. <laughs> um, this is, this is a, you know, sort of a radical statement, but some people take the Da Vinci Code, which is fiction, as fact, don't they? Yes, they do, and uh, there are a good many persons who claim to be writing history. In fact, one of them even says uh, that the the marriage of Mary Mary Magdalene to Jesus is part of the historical record, is the claim. And the difficulty is, is it's only part of the historical record if you're willing to take as historical uh, writings that are written hundreds of years after the fact and by groups that didn't even care about the actual historical events. You have a group called the Gnostics who believe that everything physical, the physical world and its history and all of that, that was somehow evil and was somehow tainted. And so what they're writing about are not actual historical events, but their own spiritual experiences. And you have these books written by them, such as Gospel of Philip and Gospel of Mary, that are written hundreds of years after the time of Jesus. And you have a couple of claims in those books that might be interpreted to mean that Jesus was married, uh, when in fact, really, those, though, even those statements are not clearly stating uh, Jesus is, is, was married in any way, shape, or form. And so the reason that we reject the idea that Jesus was married is not because it's somehow, as the Da Vinci Code claims, that it would somehow tear down the Christian faith or something like that. It is simply that the historical evidence for such an event is so weak. It is evidences that come from people who did not care about the historical events and through writings that were written hundreds of years after the historical events. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this book is Conspiracies and the Cross, and uh, we have barely scratched the surface. There is so much in here, and in typical professorial style, Dr. Jones, you've actually included a study guide at the end, haven't you? Yes, there is. And because I really want, my goal is for people to use this in their churches. This is not written for scholars or uh, for the scholarly guild. This is something that's written for ordinary people. And so there is, at the end of the book, a study guide for persons to be able to use this and teach this uh, over a 12 or 13 week period in their congregations. Uh, In addition to that, on my website, timothypauljones.com, you can uh, download literally hundreds of resources, uh, including complete PowerPoint presentations and all of that, uh, so that you can be able to teach this in your local church. Well, a great uh, resource. Thank you for providing it and also for being with us today. Thank you. It's been great to be here. This book is uh, endorsed by Dr. Paige Patterson, president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, also Russell Moore, dean of the School of Theology at Southern Seminary and others, and uh, it's, it's really a great resource. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to continue to talk about some of these attacks on religion. The uh, movie Expelled comes out uh, April 18th, a week from tomorrow, and our next guest actually appears in it. Uh, He argues against atheism. He's not a Christian. He's actually a Jew. Uh, But he's one of the professors who appears in the movie, and he's going to join us right after this. So stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. 
listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me for Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, One week from tomorrow, April 18th, in theaters, the movie Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, uh, will debut. And uh, Ben Stein plays uh, plays himself. I believe. Oh no, our next guest plays himself. Ben Stein is in the movie, and uh, really, this movie expresses the fact that uh, scientists who acknowledge a higher power are really persecuted uh, in many ways in this country. And uh, it's uh, sort of tongue in cheek and funny and informative. And uh, let's hear the trailer. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. <laughs> If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over. I have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch God. Religion. I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. Scientists are not allowed to even think thoughts that involve an intelligent creator. We cannot accept to treat intelligent design as an alternative scientific theory. I'm frightened by this, but I'm not going to let it stop me from investigating and from speaking about it. Well, I can't wait to go see this. Of course, Ben Stein is an actor and also an economist, and uh, many people don't know he's a presidential speech writer. He's a pretty smart guy. And in this movie, Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, he squares off with some of the world's most prominent uh, anti-theist elites. And uh, he really gets to the heart of this question, who are we and how did we get here? Uh, And this, uh, one of my friends, Matt Barber at CWA, says Expelled actually rocks the house, both literally and figuratively, and uh, he's already seen it. Uh, I think uh, we ought to think about seeing it. Let's go now and hear from Ben Stein. Uh, This is from the extended trailer for the movie Expelled. We're still waiting for our guest. We may not have him, but we can still talk about the movie. Uh, But let's go to Ben Stein. Like most people, I also have questions, very big questions like, how did we get here? Where are we going? Is there a meaning and purpose in life? Are we, the universe, and everything in it, merely the result of pure, dumb fate and chance? For most of my life, I believe the answers to these questions are fairly straightforward. Everything that exists was created by a loving God. That includes rocks, trees, animals, people, really everything. All along, I've been well aware that other people, very smart people, believe otherwise. Rather than God's handiwork, they see the universe as the product of random particle collisions and chemical reactions. And rather than regard humankind as carrying the spark of the divine, they believe we're nothing more than mud animated by lightning. I'm so glad there's a movie being made uh, about this issue because this is an important issue in our culture. It seems like the atheists 
still own one area of the culture, and that is academia. I mean, we were so excited uh, to be able to play Shout to the Lord and to know that the idols on American Idol saying that. And of course, there's a lot of problems in the entertainment field and coming out of Hollywood, but at least they care about what people think and uh, try to please the public, which is mostly traditional and uh, Christian. Uh, but in academia, that is not the case. And Ben Stein really confronts this in this movie. My friend Matt Barber from Concerned Women for America says Stein both, uh, boldly shines a light of honest inquiry revealing time and again that evolution's emperor has no clothes. And, of course, he's such a deadpan, and he does a great job of sort of debunking some of this uh, neo-Darwinist uh, dogma that really prevails out there. I think it's going to be fun to see this. Uh, Richard Dawkins, of course, uh, atheist, evolutionist, and a best-selling author of The God Delusion, is featured throughout this film, and I understand he's pretty upset about it. He doesn't think he's uh, portrayed fairly. Uh, in fact, uh, there's one segment in the movie, apparently, in which he sits down with Ben Stein for a heart-to-heart, and there are several pointed questions, which he doesn't answer. He dances around them. They're about how life begins. And then he ends up with sort of a, um, a logical impasse with Stein. He's finally forced to concede, though, that an intelligent being may have actually created life on Earth. That's the whole idea of intelligent design that we've been talking about. Uh, but he says, of course, that being could not have been God, rather some sort of organic alien life form. And uh, this form, he says, must have been a product of Darwinian evolution. So you see the absurdity of all of this. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any thoughts on this, are you planning to go see Expelled? And uh, do you have any impressions of the way the... Uh, Really, the college campus, the university, academia, denies God. Uh, I know that at Baylor University, of course, uh, that is Christian Baptist or, uh, origins, but uh, there have been a lot of tenure denials and uh, other sort of um, repression of the uh, opinions of certain professors uh, because of their views on our origins that seem to co- sort of comport with the Bible. And uh, so that has had a lot of people upset, certainly. Well, let's go back uh, to Ben Stein. This time he was on Glenn Beck's talk show, talking about what prompted him to make this movie Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. Tell me about what you found about indoctrination when it comes to God uh, in our schools. Well, this was for a documentary, which, as you say, is called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. We were studying... What are kids taught about evolution? What are they taught about how life originated? What we found is that if you question evolution at all, you have a good chance of losing tenure, you have a good chance of getting fired, losing your grant, you're out of there. Uh, And yet, evolution and Darwinism do not explain an awful lot about life. Darwin said nothing about how life originated. Darwin had no idea of how complicated the cell was. Darwin was never able to point to any clear evidence of any species that had originated by evolution. Uh, and there hasn't been much progress in Darwinism since then, and, but we found that if you even question the established church of Darwinism, bang, you're what gone. If, the, what about um, uh, a first cause or uh, intelligent design? Well, I mean, the first cause is not, it's lightning striking a mud puddle. 
See, this is what the evolutionists say. And by the way, they may be right. I, you know, I'm not a scientist. They could be right. Evolution struck a mud puddle, and out of that mud puddle came a fully equipped Boeing 747. <laughs> because a human cell or a plant cell or a, a frog cell has hundreds of thousands of very complicated moving parts, all of which have to work together in exact synchronization with each other to build the cell, repair the cell, and reproduce the cell. Darwin thought it was just jello inside the cell. No. Very complicated. How that happened by lightning striking a mud puddle is a very good question. And, and if you ask that question, you better start looking for another job or have rich parents or something. <laughs> you need to have rich parents or something. Well, you know, I mentioned Baylor earlier, and uh, I don't want to be too critical of Baylor. It's a great school. Uh, but William Dembski, who was a former professor there, uh, he's now a research professor in philosophy at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. But he's been criticizing lately the uh, number of tenure denials, and he thinks that uh, has something to do with uh, just sort of the adherence to uh, the plans that Baylor had uh, to reaffirm the school's Christian distinctives. Uh, still, of course, pursuing a sort of prominence as a research institution. If you want to read more about that, you can go to Baptist Press. Uh, that's www.bpnews.com. And there was an article on March 25th, uh, 2008, Spike and Baylor, uh, Baylor Tenure Denials, in case you are interested. I don't want to really talk any more about that, because we're talking about the, the movie coming out April 18th, Expelled, uh, No Intelligence Allowed. And uh, our guest seems not to have joined us today, but he was one of the professors who appears in the movie, and apparently what happens is a lot of professors uh, meet up with Ben Stein in this movie, and uh, one of them, of course, is Richard Dawkins, as I mentioned, The God Delusion, and apparently Richard Dawkins has been trying to, and actually succeeding in infiltrating some of the screenings of this uh, of this movie that have been taking place across the country. They have been screening it for a lot of people who might be favorably disposed toward the movie so that uh, they can get their people out and start talking about it, as we have been doing on this program. We've had the producer on several times uh, sort of to, ta- to call attention uh, to the plight of these highly credentialed scholars who've been forced out of uh, certain prestigious academic positions because, for instance, they proposed that intelligent design might be the truth, that might be an alternative to Darwinism. Uh, but Dawkins uh, apparently... Uh, did get in to one of these screenings, and he's just sort of trying to cause a ruckus <laughs> uh, so that he can protest his portrayal in uh, this particular movie, Expelled No Intelligence Allowed. But ladies and gentlemen, I do recommend that you plan on going. And of course, this is one of those situations in which it's really good to go to movies on the first weekend so that you can uh, basically signal your support uh, for it and uh, cause it to continue uh, to be aired across the country for a long time and influence lots of people. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you will plan on doing that. I'm going to be planning on seeing Expelled uh, probably opening night or at least that very first weekend. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up, uh, we're going to talk about the news because we haven't done much of that today. Uh, But one piece of news, it's kind of disturbing, really. Uh, It has to do with one of our former presidents, Jimmy Carter. And he's preparing to meet uh, on that very same day that Expelled opens, April 18th, with the leadership of the terrorist group Hamas. Uh, Is that a good idea or a bad idea? What do you think of it? Why don't you call us in the next segment, 800-881-9270. We'll discuss that. Uh, We'll discuss the news. I mean, it's just amazing. Jimmy Carter going to meet with Hamas, a foreign 
terrorist organization, the leader of that group. We'll talk about it next on Jerry Johnson Live. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event Friday night, April 18th. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. Friday night, April 18th. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. April 18th at 7.30, an evening with John MacArthur. A free gift from our family to yours on CRN. Now, singing Shout to the Lord once again, your American Idols. Good night, everybody. I'm still amazed by the fact that uh, American Idol aired this and had it as their finale on Idol Gives Back last night. You can hear this and see it at YouTube, www.youtube.com. Search American Idol, shout Lord, and it might be worth seeing. It was a blessing to me. I was really blessed by it. Just thinking about it uh, is a blessing. I'm kind of uh, excited that this happened. Well, we were talking about Jimmy Carter, and of course, uh, he is supposed to meet with Hamas leader Khaled Michal, and he is an exiled head of the Palestinian terror group. This is supposed to happen April 18th. If the meeting comes off, uh, Jimmy Carter will be the first Western leader of his stature to meet with the Hamas chief. And uh, Stephen Emerson, who is director of the Investigative Project on Terrorism, which is a, a terrorist watch. Uh, terrorism watchdog group says, I'm not surprised that Carter would do this as he has been supporting Palestinian extremism for many years. And uh, the Arab language newspaper Al-Hayat reported that this trip is planning, uh, being planned uh, in Syria for mid-April, which is April 18th. And, uh, of course, the State Department, as I said, has designated Hamas as a foreign terrorist organization. Jimmy Carter isn't even in government right now, and he shouldn't be going over there talking to our enemies. Uh, What do you think about that? Uh, Give us a call, 800-881-9270. And before I go to the phones, I also want to air this comment uh, from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Of course, she's reacting to President Bush's speech today. We may air a couple of bites of that. But she says he refuses to answer any tough questions about the future in Iraq. He is just dragging this out so he can put it at the doorstep of the new president of the United States. All right. uh, Sometimes she has the same mindset as Jimmy Carter, I think, because she's been over there, too, meeting with some of these leaders uh, on her trip that she took, I don't know, a year or so ago. Uh, But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'd love to hear from you. Do you think it's a good idea for Jimmy Carter to go meet with Hamas? Let's go to Bob and Terrell. Bob, thanks for calling in. Yes, Fanna. 
during uh, Jimmy Carter's presidency, it was his decision not to support the Shah and let the Ayatollah come in, and that was one of the reasons for the uh, uh, hostage crisis in, uh, in Iran. And I feel it's uh, not a good decision to go for him to go because uh, he's going to be going to, uh, to to talk to somebody from Hamas that's uh, funded from Iran, and uh, he's going to be uh, anti-Israel and uh, he's going to be anti-Bush administration. And uh, it's just not good for him to go be speaking to a terrorist leader. Amen to that. You know, the Bush administration has been trying to isolate Hamas, and we've had these sanctions on the government in Gaza. Of course, they're in charge in Gaza right now uh, because they were elected. Uh, And also, we have been, as, as an official policy, refusing to meet with the leaders of Hamas unless they recognize Israel and also abandon terror. So, Jimmy Carter, it's it's almost treasonous what he's doing. Let's go to Will in Newark. Will, thanks for calling. Yes, um, Jimmy Carter had his chance. You know, he's not a current elected official. Him and, you know, I don't think he did such a good job when he was there. I think, you know, he doesn't represent the American people. That's an understatement. Why is he going over there? You know, him and people like him and Jesse Jackson need to go mind their own business, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I agree, and I think he's actually undermining our policy of isolating Hamas. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing to take your calls. I do want to go very quickly, though, uh, to the speech from the White House President Bush made today. Of course, he's reacting uh, and really applauding. Uh, and going along with, coinciding with General David Petraeus's appearance before the Senate this week, President Bush said the surge is working. Fifteen months ago, Americans were worried about the prospect of failure in Iraq. Today, thanks to the surge, we've re- renewed and revived the prospect of success. Again, President Bush saying progress is being made in Iraq. On the security front, thanks to the significant progress General Petraeus reported this week, it is clear that we're on the right track. And uh, he also did say that he would do what Petraeus recommended, which is after the surge troops have left uh, in July, there's going to be sort of a waiting period to see how things go with about 140,000 troops there. President Bush says that the troops deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan after August 1st, uh, this is new, but he says they're going to have a shorter tours of duty. To ease the burden on our troops and their families, I have directed the Secretary of Defense to reduce deployment lengths from 15 months to 12 months for all active Army soldiers deploying to the Central Command Area of Operations. All right, we're taking your comments on Jimmy Carter's uh, visit upcoming with the leader of Hamas, uh, exile leader Khaled Mishal. Let's go to Sean in North Richland Hills. Hey, Sean. Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, um, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I, um, I, I definitely support Carter going. And, um, you know, the first thing that came to mind when I heard the story was the story about Jesus going through Zacchaeus. I mean, through him, it, it was, it was, he, was he, he viewed Zacchaeus as valuable. The Jews would have said, don't go to him, uh, you, know, because, you know, because Zacchaeus was a sinner and he was wrong, and he was wrong in many ways, but through him, he had a great impact. And so... And remember that Hamas is in power because we want a democracy in Palestine, you know. Um, That's so very got, true. That's why they're in power in Gaza. Uh, but what, do, what good do you think would possibly come out of this? Well, I, I think the reality is, I, I mean, I, I think that, um, uh, that, that they have to find mutual benefits. Um, and, and I think Carter is good at that, at finding, you know, mutual benefits. I don't think he was a great president. Mutual benefits like for terrorists. 
Well, no, mutual benefits for their party. I mean, you know, remember, too, that, you know, the only place of the two places, if I'm a Christian, the only place I could preach the gospel would be, you know, in in, in, Lebanon, uh, in Lebanon and other areas where there's Christians. I, if I was preaching the gospel in Israel, the place we're so adamant about protecting, I would be arrested. Mm. I mean, you can't preach the gospel in Israel. I, I mean, I don't... So I don't I, think that has anything to do with this trip. I'm going to let you go and let Nancy speak. Nancy's in Dallas. Nancy, I'm going to let you have uh, the last call here. We're okay. coming up at the end of the show. Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a comment on Jimmy Carter. I thought he was a bad president. He is a worse American. And as a Christian, he leaves much to be... Uh, he really needs the Lord in his heart. Thank you. Well, I'm not going to judge whether or not Jimmy Carter is a Christian, and uh, I'm not going to, you know, I have no idea whether or not he's going to actually try to share the gospel with this leader. I don't really think that's what this is about. Uh, but I think what he does try to do is to negotiate with these people, but he's not a representative of our government anymore, and yet he has this stature, and he does this with uh, dictators uh, and others, and he never makes any progress for our country, and he needs to stay out of it. He really and truly does. Well, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, Dr. Jerry Johnson is actually going to be back in the saddle, and uh, we'll be glad to have him here, and he's going to, uh, we're going to air an interview that he did with the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church in Denver, Colorado, uh, Dr. Jim Shaddix, talking about the passion-driven sermon. Ooh, that ought to be good. I love passion-driven sermons. And uh, also he'll do an interview with Denny Garina, pastor of First Baptist Church of Leonard, Texas, president of the Criswell College Alumni Association, talking about what the Criswell College means to him and how it has prepared him for ministry. And I know many others uh, that the Criswell College has done exactly that with. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Join us again tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.